contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt, as always. Presented by betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use that promo code PODCAST1. You bet the 50% sign-up bonus today, betonline.ag. Special podcast with an interesting guest. I'm sure you've heard of him. His name is Ross Tucker. I'm on his podcast every week, so it's a little bit of uh, role-play reversal here, so I'll get him back on. I try to get him on once a year or so, maybe once every six months if I'm lucky. But a role reversal for this week with Ross Tucker. Listen, it's July 4th week. I know it's a dead time. So I thought a little fun with the podcast. And first, the rant of the week. I'm doing this before I head out. I'm going to, a, yeah, I'm going to a yoga retreat. Don't at me. Don't judge. Yoga retreat. I've never, I've always thought of doing one. But I'm going to do one. I'm going to be in the mountains of Costa Rica doing yoga, doing spiritual stuff. Yep, that's what kind of guy I am and proud of it. So that's where I'll be this week. But my rant, I'm sitting here on Sunday night. I'm a little outside. You may hear some birds chirping. Love the summer nights where it stays uh, light so late. But listen, what we're going to have is this comparison. I keep talking about it, but now we see reality. These deals just coming fast and furious in the NBA with Kevin Durant and $170 million and Kyrie, $141 million. They're both, of course, going to Brooklyn. You know, what is that? $310 million for two players. That's a, quite a commitment. Think about that. And then, of course, Kemba Walker, $141 million. Tobias Harris coming back to Philadelphia. He is really such a uh, beneficiary of good fortune of them losing J.J. Redick to New Orleans, maybe not getting Jimmy Butler, having to do something. And Tobias Harris, for what they gave up to get him, which include Landry Shamet, number one picks, all that stuff, they got to pay him. And they did $180 million. Now, again, my rant is about the obvious. I say it every year, but sometimes people don't really understand. Guarantees. It's not the size of the deals. I mean, the NFL, we do see some quarterback deals, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, others, into the $130, $150, $170 million. But it's really the quality, not the quantity, that sets the NBA deals apart. This is real money. Real money. You know, in the Seinfeld worlds, these deals are real and spectacular they really are when you see tobias harris getting 180 million i tweeted out maybe one day an nfl player get 180 million well they're gonna be nfl players getting 180 million no question in the next year or so maybe even 200 million for pat mahomes but is it going to be guaranteed you know where these teams in the nfl hide behind we can't do it precedent we have to fund it all the reasons and of course their franchises are worth much more than nba franchises but they're scared of guaranteeing this money they've got the greatest system from the management point of view they're not going to change it the only thing that's going to change guarantees in the nfl is not a cba negotiation i've always said before from a collective point of view they've got to negotiate higher minimums and they've got to negotiate better individual deals with players with extreme leverage but they never wait russell wilson couldn't wait aaron Rodgers couldn't wait carson wentz couldn't wait jared goff he'll, he'll not be able to wait Pat Mahomes, he'll never be able to wait three years to get to real free agency. Just don't do it in the NBA. They all become free agents, and we're sitting here on Sunday night waiting for Kawhi Leonard, the MVP, the best player in the league, the guy who showed that 
one player can take over an entire playoffs, he's a free agent. Oh, my God. And he may join LeBron and AD in, in L.A. or he may go to the Clippers or he may go somewhere else. Who knows? But it's just such power and such differences in the two leagues. I wrote about it in my SI column last week. Just again to point out again, the NFL guarantees are always the low risk years. When you get every, you know, a lot of what guaranteed in the NFL is first year. First year of the contract, that shouldn't mean anything. They're not going to cut the guy the first year. It should almost be like, you know, again, I've said this before if I'm negotiating a star contract and they want to do 50 million guaranteed over a $100 million deal, I'd say fine. You know, give me the 50 million guaranteed in years three, four, five. Because that's real value. Getting it in years one and two, you know, and again, I've been on the team side. They're going to say no. Someone's got to break the seal, and it's got to be players with extreme leverage. We'll see what happens. That's my rant of the week as we sit here and NBA free agency takes center stage. The business of basketball, much healthier on the player side than the business of football. And a $108 million cap really didn't go up hardly at all. But again, $108 million for 15 players compared to... 180 million for what comes out to eventually like 60 with Plactor Squad and injured 60 something players. So that's where we are. Uh, and now let's get to the guest, and I think it's someone you know. Without further ado, my guest, Ross Tucker. Time for a role reversal here. My good friend and my weekly uh, interviewer, Ross Tucker, joins the podcast to turn the tables, have him on the other side. How about this, Ross? I'm the one asking the questions this time. Get ready. I know, and it's funny because since you come on my show once a week, you know, we're so familiar with that. You know, it, we, we, we've got a great routine going. We know our roles now. Like, it's like anything in life, I guess, you know, whether it's media or on a team sport, it's weird when you get outside of your comfort zone, and it's weird when, you know, you're in a different role. I don't know about for you because you do the show every week, but for me to be the guest, I'm used to being the host. So I don't know. I'm a little nervous. What do you got for me? Yeah, well, I get to do both because every week, every week I'm doing my own through the Ross Tucker football podcast group, and then I'm doing yours. So it's great to have you on. I guess I, I, you know, you and I talked on your podcast. I've been talking a lot this week, every year this week, first week of July about the NBA and them taking center stage and these massive contracts and Tobias Harris, $180 million, and Durant, $170 million, and Irving and Walker, $140 million. These numbers just are staggering. From an NFL point of view, from a player that played in the trenches, you see this every year. What's your reaction? You gave me kind of an open blank canvas to talk about it. What's your reaction when you see these NBA deals this time of year every year? Uh, man, it would have been cool if I was better at basketball. <laughs> You're pretty tall now. Go ahead. Well, you know what? I, I, basketball, I probably would have told you, Andrew, until 11th grade, I probably would have thought maybe I'd play college basketball. Wow. Um, you know, I, I, I thought I was probably better at that maybe, uh, than football, but there was just a lot more opportunities for my body type in football than there were in basketball. I did have a couple of Division three schools uh, reach out to me that didn't know I was already going to Princeton for football or whatever, but uh, no. So I, um, it's always stunning. And, and really, 
the, it's the guaranteed nature of it, I think, that really jumps out to you as a player. Yeah. Because, and I think even, Andrew, the star players would want that in the NFL. But from my perspective, you know, I never had anything guaranteed. Now, I, you know, I got a signing bonus when I signed the contract extension with the Buffalo Bills when I was a restricted free agent in 2004. But my point is, I was never even guaranteed, Andrew, to be on the team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, So yeah. I'm not even talking guaranteed money. I'm just talking it must be nice to know for sure you're getting that money, to know for sure you're going to be on the team. I mean, I'm always envious when I see even NFL guys and happy for them when they get, you know, 20, 30, 40 million, 50 million guaranteed, whatever it is. Cause I'm like, man, that must be nice to a get that kind of guaranteed money. That means you're set for life and B to know that at least for two or three years, we know after that anything can happen, but at least for two or three years, you're on the team, you know, you're, you're going to be there and right. there's not really going to be much they can do about it. Although I will say this, Andrew, and this is an interesting thing we could discuss. There are guys in the NFL with four-year guaranteed contracts, and they are rookies taking yeah. what is it, like the top 20 picks? I think somewhere in the Yeah, first I mean, round, I think their full guarantee is about 20 to 21 and three years out of the four the rest of the first round, right? Right. So when I think about that that's interesting is I see how, like, certain players – handle themselves, right? Like the Jaguars have had several of these guys, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette, Dante Fowler, who, you know, were top 10 picks. So four years fully guaranteed. And I almost feel like Andrew with some of the things they've done on and off the field and the lack of discipline it's almost like because their contracts are fully guaranteed, I almost feel like they think that they're untouchable. You know, like that they can do whatever they want. Um, and it just seems that way at times. So I don't, I don't know. It's just something that comes into my head when I think about fully guaranteed deals for the NFL. The other thing that's interesting about it is it would be great – for the players that got the fully guaranteed deals. But what I don't understand, Andrew, is I don't understand, like, if you're an NFL player and you got a four-year or five-year fully guaranteed deal, let's say, I, what happens in year two if you get a concussion and you get a doctor to say you should not play football anymore? So then you yeah. get the money for two or three more years you get the money fully guaranteed to not have to play. And so that's a real positive for that person, but there's a salary cap. So that money would still count against the cap. And so really that money, like it would be great for some guys, but then ultimately Andrew, it would take a lot of money out of the system 
or and I don't know a lot, but it would take some money out of the system for guys that deserve it, guys that should be getting that money, but it would be going to guys that aren't even playing anymore. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm going to make this a little tougher on you, though, because I want to ask you this. When you see, you know, listen, I, I'm not going to go there, and the there I mean is sort of the the plantation mentality that people have talked about with NFL owners. But I do see this because we're now comparing this is that week of the year we compare NBA to NFL. It seems like NBA teams scratch and claw to squeeze guys in. You know, yes, it's a cap league like the NFL. Can we get this guy in? Can we do this trade and, and take on this contract to get this guy? Can we squeeze another maximum? Whereas in the NFL, it just seems like, you know, there's cap room that's sort of left over and they bring it forward the next year. There's rookies taking the spots of veterans, maybe just because they're cheaper, maybe because there's somewhat equal value and cheaper. And it, it just seems different. You know what I mean? Where, And I wonder, as a former player and someone that's so invested in the NFL, do you see that difference among management on how they treat kind of the product? You know, I hadn't really thought of it like that until you said that. But you're right. It does seem like these NBA teams do everything they can yeah. to find a way to get a guy in. You know, Anthony Davis had that thing where he gave up $4 million so that they could have room to sign a max guy and all that stuff. Um, but those are also maybe just the teams that we hear about. I'm sure there are other teams that aren't going you know, aren't going to the max on the, on the cap. And the thing, too, is, right, Andrew, they're able to all spend essentially as much as they want over the cap, right? They just have to pay the luxury tax. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I, I don't understand it like I do the NFL cap, but you're right. They, and some teams do mention the luxury tax, like they can't do it, but, you know, look at Golden State prepared to offer two guys that may not play next year, maximum contracts and take on luxury tax and all that, you know, would NFL teams do that? Would would you know? Would uh, an NFL player wave a four million dollar trade kicker because it would bring in another star? Man, I, I I get it. You know, there are different systems, and players are more powerful in the NBA. But it just seems like different systems, and I don't know if that's a mentality that still exists with the NFL or not. Yeah, well, and I will say this: I think part of it might be that they can roll over cap space too. Yeah. You know, NBA, you can't do that. So it's like use it or lose it. Where in the NFL, you know, since you can roll it over, you 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 have you're you're able to go ahead and use that money theoretically the next year. So that's also why they don't mind having room. The other difference is Andrew, and you can speak to this the NFL teams have to account for IR and all of that stuff. So, and they're not allowed to go over the cap ever. So 
they need to have what five to ten million dollars in cap space going into the season typically. Whereas the NBA with the guaranteed contracts, I guess I don't even know how that works in the NBA. If they have injuries and they have to sign a guy to a 10 day deal or whatever, I don't know. Do they ever? Well, they're allowed to go over. So I guess if they have to sign a guy and they go over the cap because they have to sign a guy because they had a couple injuries, then they just might have to pay more into the, into the luxury tax. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think what happens in the NBA is that teams have all these exceptions they work with and it just depends if they're under or over the cap it's like you know they work with whatever the the league tells them is their mid-level or their veteran exception but the one thing the nba has of course is the bird rights which uh, give the ability of teams to pay more for their own free agents another year you know and that's worth so much money so much value get the five-year deal instead of the four-year deal but what's amazing, Ross, and maybe get your take on this, you have that, the players aren't taking it. Kevin Durant, you know, with the injury, didn't take the five years from Golden State, took the four years from Brooklyn. Anthony Davis doesn't want the five years, Supermax from New Orleans, takes the four years, eventually will, I guess, from Los Angeles. So this is what's so interesting about the NBA. They built in kickers to keep stars where they are and they're still leaving which points us back to the one way they couldn't can't leave in the nfl which is of course the franchise tag so it's just interesting to see the way these restrictions work it's kind of a soft restriction in the nba and stars are ignoring it and it's a hard one in the nfl and and franchise tag is such a weapon you know what i would say too andrew is interesting and i know the money's all guaranteed which is nice, um, obviously. But they're not really making that much more per year. Like, you know, so four years, was it 141 or something like that for Kyrie or Kevin Durant? So that's $35 million a year. And that's a lot. That's right at the top of the NFL quarterback market. But... I guess with how important NBA stars are and 82 games and all that, I guess they're not making as much money as I think people think they are when they see the 140 and the fully guaranteed because they're really just making quarterback money. You know, nowadays they're making quarterback money. So that's an interesting thing too. And by the way, I think quarterbacks are probably the only people in the NFL that are the equivalent in terms of importance to a team as NBA stars. You know, they're the only ones that really are that, that important. Like it is to have an NBA star or two or three on your team. I mean, it's really, it's quarterbacks. And and so maybe it's fitting that they kind of get paid in the same, in the same way as uh, as NBA stars. I'm going to pivot a little bit now that I got you here. You know, we're in the middle of the offseason. We're in the dead period. I've talked a lot about these crazy stories from a management point of view. You looking at it from a player point of view. Okay, coaches let players out in early June. We'll see end of July. 
you know, I'm looking at you, a pretty responsible guy. You're just trying to get in in July and not screw up and make the team. But do you see things different now? It just seems like players have their own gurus and everybody's working out in their own way. It's like, you know, we're at an age with professional athletes that maybe I overrated. I don't think you have to worry too much about them going off the rails. There's so much money involved and there's such training out there and, and the stars have their own masseuse and their own chef and their own guru and their own chiropractor and their own massage guy. So what's your take as sort of, we look at the, the dead period of this off season and guys getting ready for the grind at the end of July? Well, uh, a couple thoughts that just you asking me that triggered in my mind. Number one, it has changed a lot. I think part of it was the new CBA and guys not being able to go back to the teams until, you know, mid-April now. Because before, it used to be, what, mid-early March? You know, early March, maybe mid-March? Yeah, we would start mid-March. Yeah, so I guess, you know, it used to be like, okay, season's over. January, you pretty much take at least a couple weeks to heal if you didn't make the playoffs. But you don't really do much for a couple weeks. Then a couple after that, for a week or two, you kind of ease back into it. Then, you know, February or whatever, you start working out, getting, you know, lifting a little bit harder, training. And then before you knew it, you were back with your team and training there. Now there's such a big space of time. You know, now you're talking three full months, three and a half full months, and it's like, okay, you can still let your body heal for a couple weeks, but then you have three months where you really want to be training. And I think whereas guys used to think, you know, it's only six weeks, you know, I can I can train for you know four to six weeks or whatever on my own. Now that it's three months, it's like man, I need to I need to really be doing something with people that are going to push me and really know what they're doing, like I would when I'm with my NFL team. So it's really been a boon to those those people that that do those that that run those academies. You know, the exoses of the world or whatever that you're allowed to go and train in Arizona or Florida or whatever. It's been a big boost for them. And so I guess that's a positive for the players that do it. But I look at it like they're spending money now. Like they're, they're living somewhere else um, for that time period and they're having to spend money or they're choosing to spend money now that they never did before. They never had to. So I don't know how much they're spending. And I don't know, you know, obviously they're doing it. They must feel like they're really getting a lot out of it. But, you know, they had the gain, Andrew, of getting another month of not having to be there, I guess. But they kind of lost by having this pay money out of pocket now for the guys that do that. And then I'll even take it a step further, like – I liked going back in mid-March. I was happy to go back in mid-March. Yeah. I was ready to go back. I like getting, I think it's like, 
175 bucks a day now. No, it's wait a minute, 235 a day, I think. They get to work out now. So you get a little extra spending cash when you're back at the team. You get nice free breakfast, free lunch. I like going back and training with my team. So that would not have been something that I would have fought for or thought was a good thing to fight for. Plus, if you get hurt training on your own, they don't have to pay you. If you get hurt training at the team, they do have to pay you. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of an – like I'm all for um, less contact in practice. I think the no two-a-days – I think those things are great things, but the fighting hard to not have to get back, that always seemed like a a weird one. I guess the one positive is the guys that want to go back to school, I think now they can get like a full semester in. You know, I think a lot of times right. the semesters are done, I don't know, mid April or late April. So if they need to, if they want to go back to school, uh that's a positive. They can get that semester in, but I would not have fought for that. That that would not have been something that would have been an item that I was that I that I thought was important in a CBA negotiation. Yeah, it's interesting, you know. And now we look back at the off season, basically, uh, from March, early March, until now July, as we await training camp. I think it's maybe a good time to sort of give you that canvas. And say what you like, what you didn't like. Uh, what, you know, you and I talk every week about what's going on in the league, but sort of now giving it a three, four month overview, what has impressed you about NFL teams or not since the new league year started in basically February? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I, 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 I'm going to sound biased, okay? Because I grew up a fan of the team and because I'm going to be doing their preseason games. Yeah. Andrew, but I'm, I'm really impressed by the Eagles. And I'll say this. I was going to ask you this on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast about Kevin Durant, and I forgot. I can't imagine. You want to talk about a difference between NFL and the NBA and, and, and talking Eagles, and I was, I was going to get into Carson Wentz, made me think of this. But I cannot imagine, Andrew, an NFL team ever offering a guy a big contract, like that kind of guaranteed top-of-the-market money off of torn Achilles. We've seen guys get paid off of uh, torn ACLs now that aren't as big a deal, and they've gotten really good contracts. But a torn Achilles, you know, and, and of course there's the report that the Knicks didn't want to give him the max deal because of that, and everybody's making fun of the Knicks for it. But I don't know. I kind of feel like if it was – I mean, he's a basketball player. It's an Achilles. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it's that – I don't think it's that crazy that the Knicks were concerned about that. And I would imagine – I'm not going to say all NFL teams, but I would have to imagine, Andrew, most NFL teams would have been very concerned about that. Yeah, there's no question about it. You know, kudos to a player like Allen Robinson coming off an ACL, got a nice free agent deal. Uh, I think sometimes teams, and I've been on the team side of this, try to scare players into making, you know, some 
some early deals with the risk of injury. Because frankly, you know, it really doesn't hurt your market value. Look at Earl Thomas this year. It really doesn't hurt it that much. Um, but you're right. Achilles is a, is a killer. And, you know, you bring back the Knicks again. So what I agree with you. We're going to we're going to feel differently, I think, in two, three years about the Knicks move today uh, or this week, not sign, not offering Kevin Durant the maximum if he's not the same player. Uh, so we'll, we'll review that. I guess some, some thoughts on some specific moves this off season from your perspective, you always get my perspective, Ross. Uh, you know, let's start in Oakland. They bring in Antonio Brown, Vontez perfect. They've got mercurial John Gruden. I mean, listen, <laughs> there are a lot of ways this can go, but I, it's, I guess what I'm saying is a lot has to go right for these personalities to mesh, to mesh. And that's what I worry about. Your thoughts. You know, my, my initial reaction was I am surprised based on what I thought I knew about Mike Mayock. Like, I know Mike um, a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't say we're friends, but we're friendly, and I've worked with him several times for Westwood One and hung out with him, you know, once or twice. And based on what I think I know about him, I, I'm surprised that he brought in a guy like Antonio Brown, you know, yeah. based on what Antonio did that last week. I'm a little surprised he brought in Richie Incognito. I'm a little surprised, you know, that that he brought in uh, Vontez Perfect. I, I guess, I you know, he didn't seem like the t- the kind of guy that would bring in that many guys that have discipline issues. You know what I mean? And especially Antonio Brown. You know, and what he did not showing up the last week of the season, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I guess I, you know, to me, I would think that that would be something where Mike Mayock would say, I'm never, I would never want a guy like that on my football team that last week of the season trying to make the playoffs just doesn't show up. But he did. He did sign him. So it's interesting. And I guess this is a good kind of conversation for me in the media or you in the media, I guess you never really know based on what people say in the media, what they're necessary, what they necessarily would be like if they actually had those jobs, you know, cause I, I think I thought I knew Mike Mayock, but he's right. not making moves like Hunter Renfro from Clemson in the fifth round. That yeah. is a move that I thought Mayock would make. You know, a, a slot guy, former walk-on, even like Cleland Farrell and Jonathan Abram, guys that love football, you know, maybe even taking Cleland Farrell higher than people thought he, he would go, reminds him of Chris Long. Like, that's what I kind of thought Mayock would be like, not not some of the veteran guys. But I think he said something 
you know, about incognito is, you know, they can't all be choir boys or something like that. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's how he feels. But like, I'll, I'll, the, the devil's advocate portion of that, though, would be he doesn't have final say, Andrew. And right. maybe Gruden said, I want him. And I'm your boss. Because essentially, Gruden is Mayock's boss. Gruden's the one that brought Mayock in. So maybe Gruden said, look, I want him. We're doing it. Yeah, they're going to be a team to watch. And, you know, uh, you talked about sort of your your local team. I'm in Philly area, too. Sort of my my team that I spent 10 years with, I think it's going to be really interesting because they made some serious moves on the defensive side of the ball. That was, of course, their Achilles heel. Uh, bringing in the two Smiths, Zedarius and Preston, drafting Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage in the first round signing Adrian Amos. Uh, you know, again, you you mentioned some bias at Philly. I'm biased with the Packers. But I think with a really improved defense, they're a team to watch going into this year as well. Yeah, and I think uh, I didn't even ask answer your question, your, your other one about teams that impressed me because uh, it just made me think of, you know, um, Kevin Durant's Achilles. But I would say... I am impressed by the Eagles, um, and I do think the Wentz thing is really interesting that they chose to take that risk, uh, you know, knowing that there is a chance that maybe he doesn't stay healthy and the back's an issue, and they could have waited a year. I do think that they are one of the more progressive, forward-thinking teams out there, Um I'll, I'll give you another one. I like what the Miami Dolphins are doing, Andrew. I think the Miami Dolphins, you know, we're seeing them basically trading guys and and paying these guys, paying part of their salary yeah. so that they can get future draft picks in return. You know, it's, it's, it's a unique move. It's like, hey, take this guy. We'll even pay some of the money just so you take him. And we can get a better draft pick. You know, it's almost like you used to say on my show, you asked the NFL if you could trade cap space. You yeah. can't, but I guess you kind of can now. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that there's there's that that move. You know, I got so giddy about that Brock Osweiler trade a couple years ago. Kind of a real money ball trade, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of that action going on around the league. And and that sort of segues to my other question about where you see changes in the NFL. You know, Moneyball has been around 30 years in baseball. We talk about analytics so much in basketball, and we talk about wins over replacement in baseball. I have a feeling it's pretty prevalent in the NFL, but people don't talk about it. You know, you talk about the Eagles. They've had Alec Halaby, who's... They sort of got out of pen statistics, a graduate student. He's been there a long time. And there's a lot of that going on in the NFL, but it's kind of under the radar still. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, um, say it again, Andrew. I'm sorry, I lost you for a second there. The analytics side, wouldn't you sense, you know, do you sense that being a bigger part of the NFL these days? No question. Because I know no. it's there, but teams don't talk about it. 
No question. Well, they don't talk about that much because why would you talk about it, right? Like, if you think you have an advantage, why, why, like, I wouldn't spend very much time talking about how great my analytics department is and how much value they provide because I wouldn't want other teams to beef up their analytics departments. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't be going around saying that, right? I mean, I, it would be, I would try to keep it my, my little secret as long as I can. But I saw the Carolina Panthers, they just hired a guy from the Eagles to head up their department. I would, you know, I would love, Andrew, to see a breakdown of every team and what their analytics department looks like and their analytics budget and all of that. Because I do think there's a wide range of what that is. And I think it's a differentiator. I really do. I think that the Patriots have been way ahead of this for a long time. They just never talked about it because they know um, that they're able to get an advantage. Why talk about it? Like that the Patriots would never talk about something like that because they wouldn't want other people doing it because they know people want to do what the Patriots do because they know that they're having success. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's it's you know, I was in the NFL when Moneyball came out and everyone said the same thing. It's just exactly what you're saying. That's great, Billy Bean. That's so cool. But why would he expose that? Why? Why would the Oakland A's give a roadmap to every other baseball team, let alone other sports? And it's just interesting. That's the reaction. The reaction of the fan is like, what a cool movie. That's cool. Why don't more teams do it? The reaction inside the ropes is like, how could they share that? And it's kind of like, you know, in Green Bay, I've said this to you many times. Every time I bring up the word hard and before I got to Knox, the reaction was no way, no way. We're not letting them see our operations. And I'm like, guys, we'll edit everything. We'll have full control. The league will told us we can. Nope. Nope. It was always a no. And uh, this is it. So I guess that leads to my last question. As someone who's been a player and now media, it seems they're going to have this inevitable fight every year. It gets even stronger, Ross. And that's the fight between access and privacy. From a collective point of view, I'm not talking about player privacy. I'm talking about team information privacy. Because what we want as media and fans is more and more access. And what coaches and management want is don't get into our state secrets. So I guess this sort of a last question to you is how do you balance that? What is the proper balance between what we want is fans and media and what teams want to protect. I think it all ultimately comes down to the ownership for most of these teams and whether they prioritize, frankly, Andrew, whether they prioritize making money or trying to have success and win the most games. I think, you know, there's a concern that there's a competitive disadvantage if you do these shows and so you'll get some owners that will hear the football people say that and they'll say, Nope, not doing it. I don't want to do it. Um, if there's a competitive disadvantage, 
I think you'll get other owners that uh, will A, think that that's overblown, and B, think that it's a really good opportunity to be able to promote their brand, promote their team, and you know help their business. And so you'll, you will get a chance to kind of see which teams feel which way. Well, the Hard Knock's a little different because they can compel teams to do it. You know, they put that rule in. And maybe that's what it is, Andrew. Maybe they get more and more of these rules where it's like someone has to do hard knocks during the season. You know, who knows? I mean, that's the only way it's probably going to happen is if the owners say, look, this content is just too good. It's too good for the business of the league. We, we have to do it. We have to do stuff like this. This is what people want. This is what people like. And uh, is it great? No, but, you know, we do other things for the business that maybe people don't like, but such is life, you know? People don't like commercials during games, but that's how we pay everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I lied. One more question. So what do you see as the biggest challenges? I've talked about, you know, the NFL having this incredible hold on everyone and, and it just keeps getting bigger and better and they've kind of moved to OO past whatever Kaepernick-related protest issues. They've moved past, I think, concerns about concussions. What do you see as any threat to the continued prosperity and dominance of the NFL? What do you worry about going forward? Probably just... Um, the brain stuff uh, yeah. as much as anything else um, and any more information that comes up about that over the years. You know, the more negative information that comes out, the, the I don't know, Andrew, that the concern would be, you know, people not watching the NFL. It, it doesn't really seem to have any impact. I think the concern is people not letting their kids play. And I don't know. I don't know what the impact would be on the sport if less people play. Obviously, if your kids play, you're going to be more into the sport, and that probably helps the business that way. And also, if your kids play, you're going to also be in a situation where, you know, you're going to, have those kids love the sport even more um, and be more invested in it. But I don't know, Andrew, where, uh, where I live, it seems like every little kid I know plays soccer, flag football, and, and watches football, right? Like yeah. all these kids play soccer, but they really love watching football. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's like soccer has been the sport of the future for 40 years. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like they like to play it, but they don't like to watch it. Yeah, they all go to the NFL. You know, that's it. And that's it for us, Ross. This was fun to turn the tables on you. Kind of a free-flowing, just kind of, uh, yeah, improvisational podcast. Really enjoyed having you. Thanks for coming on my podcast, The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt featuring Ross Tucker this week. Thanks, Ross. 
My pleasure. And obviously, I think a lot of the listeners probably know this, but if you don't, I have a fantasy podcast, Fantasy Feast with Evan Silva. I've got the Even Money podcast with Steve Fezzik, which is sports betting. Uh, also do the College Draft podcast with a, a, a different guest every week. So a bunch of podcasts available over at RossTucker.com or however you listen to this one right now. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I think the, the free-flowing shows are usually the best ones because you're just, you're just chatting. I think so. Kind of what you and I do every week. This was great. Thanks, Ross. Hope you enjoyed me reversing roles with Ross Tucker, making him the guinea pig. He's the one that got interviewed tonight as we have this sort of role reversal, fun time of year, the dead time, July 4th week. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, a word from our sponsor before we go. Summer action heating up. It's beginning of July. You've got so much excitement. You've got Major League Baseball, the Women's World Cup, UFC, MLS Soccer. Only one place has you covered for all of it, and that is Podcast One. You sign up today, you get your free account, and of course that 50% welcome bonus. World Cup soccer is going to be great. The, the women just beat France. Megan Rapino with her great goal and that great pose that's all over social media. you got to get into it. The World Cup's going to be uh, coming to a close with the semis and then the finals. Great options to bet on that. So don't sit on the sidelines, get on the action, use the promo code PODCAST1, and you get that 50% welcome bonus and the free account. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. That'll do it for this week's, this July 4th, this holiday version of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks to my producers, who's part of the trio of Ross Tucker, Andrew Brandt. His name is Brian Neal. Appreciate those who comment Apple Podcast list rankings and comments are really appreciated. And those of you who follow me on Twitter, Andrew Brandt. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.